And me, Pete Phillips, we're not related. Sorry, that's like funny to regular listeners. If you're like a first-time listener right now, you're like, this show sucks. <laughs> uh, we're not related. We have the same last name. We live in two different places, and we get together once a week to tell you, the listener, uh, about some stuff that we learned about and uh, tell you, go, Marissa. In other words, we tell you things you didn't know. <laughs> you needed to know. Yeah. I was looking at slime when you pointed to me, and I needed to snap back into reality. Sorry, sorry. You want to tell the listeners about your slime obsession? Guys, you remember when I like talked about ASMR and slime? I was hoping she would say no, but evidently. <laughs> I was going to say, I've become really into slime. I really, I don't mean really. I mean, the way someone would play with a stress ball, I buy a dollar slime from Target, and I periodically just put it in my hand. That's it. That's not really into slime. Anyway, I'm sorry. How's your week, Pete? My week's been okay. I'm not going to talk about my week because I already did, but I will say Pete visited me uh, last weekend and stayed in my house. And uh, my, I have this older doorman who I like very much. And for some reason in my mind, he's like old fashioned. And I didn't want him to think I was like, the, the doorman knows my boyfriend. And I didn't want him to think, that, and my boyfriend's out of town, and the doorman knows that. <laughs> and I didn't want my doorman to think that I was, like, sneaking and having trysts with men in the middle of the night. So I told the doorman that Pete was my cousin. Uh, and Pete, I just want to let you know that yesterday, uh, two days ago I saw him. And he said, is your cousin all right? How is yes. your cousin? <laughs> so we, we did it. We pulled it off. <laughs> the funny part... The only part that's that I'm not the only part, but a funny part of this story is that uh, while he was talking about something, I started to talk about my uncle and this traumatizing thing that happened to my uncle. And Marissa's like, oh, my gosh, really? <laughs> not remembering that we should both have the same uncle. <laughs> also, I was drunk. Oh, yeah, we were both it was like pretty in the bag. It was like and I was gone. Anyway, yeah. so that's how my week was. What's your icebreaker? Marissa, as a child, what did you want to be when you grow up? As long as I remember, either a writer or a fashion designer. Or a writer of fashion? Yeah, or actually, yeah, that became a thing later. Yeah, I was really, really interested in art and fashion. <clears throat> My parents refused to help me pay for art school. I'm not, I'm not faulting them. A little bit. But cause they helped <laughs> me pay for other school. Uh, but yeah, so, yeah, exactly. Uh, when I was little, though, I had to do, like, what do you want to be when you grow up when you're, when I was in in first grade, and I said a rapper, but I was lying. I was trying to be funny all the way from first grade. (laughs) So anyway, how do you beat? Um, the one that stands out the most to me is I wanted to be a cartoonist. Okay. Do you draw all that much? I wanted to be a... This is the story of my life, guys, and I'm sure if we bring in a psychologist, which, why, by the way, why don't we have an informal friend who's a psychologist to come into the show once in a while? My brother is a counselor. He could be our psychologist. I don't know how to say this correctly, so I'm just going to tell you what it is, and then, Marissa, you might be able to determine a word for it. But whenever I demonstrated aptitude at something, people were like, oh, you must be interested in that. Let's get you some classes in it, or let's 
you know, do this, that, or the other to sort of foster this particular uh, talent, habit, whatever you have. And I would always stop <laughs> whenever that happened. I was into drawing, and my mom was like, oh, we're going to put you in a drawing class. And I was like, I don't want to draw f- flowers. I don't want to do it. You're self-sabotaging? Um, Can we say that? Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, or maybe it's just like, you know, self-doubt you that I wouldn't be able to cut it cut it or something like that. So. Yeah. So now that that was a downer. But no, I still like to doodle from time to time. But I think the thing that took me away from being a cartoonist and doing like panels of cartoons is that I really have a hard time drawing the same thing twice. And I don't think I'm the only person who has that problem. And so I figured I couldn't draw a character and keep that character over the course of like three panels or like a comic book or anything like that. Even though I did do that. It's never too late to pursue your dreams. (laughs) It's not really my dreams anymore. And I did make comics when I was a kid and it would be amazing if I could find them, but I I doubt I will be able to. I have this, uh, Marissa has a real love of nostalgia and I have, (laughs) I have just, uh, let's just burn it all. Let's just throw it all out. Nostalgia (laughs) is why I live. I didn't have nostalgia or memories. I just, why I live. Yeah. I like, being tortured by my past slightly, like in a light way. Speaking of torture, huh? Not really. If you recall from the episode that we did about Philadelphia, there's a brief segment in that show where Marissa and I ate at a noisy restaurant. Now, you could hear that it was really loud in the audio, but what you couldn't see... Wait, we recorded when we were at a restaurant? I did. I see... Okay, guys. I well, trump taped you. Know, if you listen to that episode, I don't know all the times Pete was recording. And I just want to let that be known. And he edits the episode, so who the hell knows what's in that episode? I had ten minutes that just sounded like just like people talking and like you couldn't hear a word of anything. And you put anything. that in the show? No. Oh. I listened to it because we had funny banter over the menu, but like you couldn't hear anything. Which and restaurant, so, by the way? This is the Mexican restaurant. Uh, and so what I took was the part where I asked about a chicken pastor. You could tell that the restaurant was really loud, but what you couldn't tell is that the restaurant was also really dark. And I asked Marissa why it was so dark, and she was just like, I don't know. <laughs> and I could see Marissa across the table from me, but I couldn't see people, like their faces, very, like for, I would say, more than like 10 or 12 feet away. Because Pete has, what's that thing that old people has? I have face blindness. Yeah, he has face blindness. Now, Marissa didn't own the restaurant, so it's perfectly acceptable that she doesn't have an answer to my inquiry about why it's so dark in there. But do you have any ideas now, Marissa, why some restaurants are just so damn dark? To make it romantic. To make it romantic. So to add some ambiance to the scene. Yeah. So there's a lot of talk about this. The most logical conclusion that people Is there a lot of talk about this? Yes. Is there? Among who? Everyone. <laughs> I'm being a dick, but I like your wording. Everybody's talking about this, okay? <laughs> okay. Uh, the most logical conclusion that people draw is that they dim the lights for ambiance and also because it makes us all look better. When it's darker, you can't see us as much. What do they and care so what we inherently we look, like? look better. Do you mean the food or us? Us, each other. What does that? What does that have to do with them? Going out on a date, you might feel a little insecure about how you look, that sort of thing. How Take you to a dark food? restaurant. Now you can't. It has nothing to do with the food. It has to do with the customers. I'm surprised they care. But you want to create a place that people want to go, and so yes. if we're like, oh, we're going to go to this dark place 
for dinner on a first date. I do and love gonna, Lone We're going to get to know each other a little bit with words. <laughs> and then when we go back outside, and, you'll and see what I look bodies. like again. <laughs> Related, though, Marissa, you were like, well, what does that have to do with the food? And I can't help but think, if you're dimming the lights to hide my face, the what are you trying to hide on my plate? <laughs> Roaches? Is this no, a rhetorical not, question? No, that was a rhetorical question. Okay. <laughs> One op-ed. Make sure in I the know Wash- when they're rhetorical. It's just, I guess it's just bad writing on my part. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's an op-ed in the Washington Post, which was written by a food critic, and he calls this problem out. He says, uh, zero level lighting, meaning that it's really dark, uh, is a disservice to the artists whose food and drink diners can't fully absorb. Okay, that's more... As more than a few good cooks have told me over the years, people eat first with their eyes. Yet, this low lighting leaves the diner, uh, you know, w- with very little to see, and so they can't do that. Mm. What if your eyes could eat, Marissa? That's disgusting. Right. That's like the guy from um, the thingy with the like Alice in Wonderland, but like gross. Pan's Labyrinth. <laughs> so here's the thing, guys. In this culture where we spend so much time, and Don't I say we. That's what I said. <laughs> I'm sorry, go ahead. I say we in the royal sense. We spend time taking pictures of our food and stuff like that. You know, some of us run blogs that are related to that, sandwichportraits.com, check it out. Um, seeing what you eat is part of the experience, right? Just like smelling, sometimes touching, maybe hearing too, like if somebody brings a skillet out. You know, like it's a sensory oh, experience. Yeah, yeah. And by dimming the lights, you're taking away one of my senses. Yeah, I'm fine with that. But there's more to it, Marissa. Some people think that there's something more sinister at work. <laughs> one article points the finger directly like at the... No. There will be no roaches <laughs> for the rest of this. <laughs> one article points the finger at the Cheesecake Factory, claiming that their dim lighting decision is the result of psychological findings in a few versions that conclude the same thing, but they're different Ooh, types of experiments. I'm excited. What, what, what? In one... I'm going to do this for you, Marissa. I'm excited. This is, a, I believe, a German psychologist. Psychologist Benjamin Scheibeheny. Oh, he looked like he was going to sneeze when he said that. That's my favorite part. Scheiben, maybe? Scheiben. Scheiben. Published his findings uh, of these experiments in a journal called Appetite. Right. So it started with inviting participants to have lunch in a restaurant in downtown Berlin for free. The entrance of the restaurant was lit, the restaurant itself was pitch black, and the volunteer customers, basically the subjects in this particular experiment, were saved. Saved. (laughs) It'd be more exciting if they were saved, but they were actually served by blind waiters and waitresses who were capable of working in the dark. These customers ate two main courses in the dark dining area, but what they didn't know... Will shock you. I'm sorry. Yeah, it, it might shock you. Uh, was that half of them were served normal-sized portions, while the other half were served super-sized portions that were more than a third larger than the regular portion. After the meal, organizer turned on the lights and offered dessert to the customers. And the customers uh, ate whatever they felt like eating in the dessert. And then they gave them a questionnaire, and that was the end of that. Um, 
later they did the exact same experiment on a completely different group of people, but in this case, they actually had all the lights turned on. Okay. And it was kind of like a normal restaurant. For those who could see what they're eating, the size of their main course had a big effect on how full the diners felt. Oh, interesting. When it was dark, they both ate the same, like they ate different amounts of food, but they felt they both felt equally full at the end of the meal. Okay. But when the lights were on, the people who ate bigger meals felt like they were more full, or they you know didn't eat as much because it was such a big portion. That's interesting. For those who dined in the dark, portion size didn't seem to make much of a difference. But yeah, when you could see what you were eating, you actually happened to eat less or get full faster when you ate more. Okay. People were experiencing fullness based as much on their visual estimation of how much food they were eating as their actual physical consumption. So eating without light uh, seems to indicate that we are unwittingly eating more and feeling less hungry. That's part of the conspiracy, right? The Cheesecake Factory wants you to eat more. And so what they're doing is dimming the lights so you'll eat like a little piglet. But don't they want you to eat? Oh, no, no, no. You're right. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Pete, why would they want to give people more food? Yeah. Like, what's the point? So here's a different one. A more widely cited study is from the Cornell University Food and Brand Lab, where researchers at the University of South Florida surveyed 160 patrons at four chain restaurants. Some diners were seated in brighter rooms. Others were seated in more dimly lit spaces. Those who were seated in the darker rooms ordered dishes with 39% more calories on average and leaned towards less healthy items like fried foods and desserts. People in the well-lit rooms skewed towards healthier options like vegetables, white meat, poultry, baked and grilled fish, and vegetables. Oh, what's that about? That's interesting. They replicated the study with 700 college-age students later and found the exact same result. So they feel like this is a reliable study. Okay. The claim from this study, it actually goes in a possibly unexpected direction for you. Uh, The claim is that we feel more alert in bright spaces, and when we're more alert, we make healthier decisions, because they went and conducted a follow-up study where they gave diners in the dim rooms caffeine pills, Uh and their decisions actually matched the ones uh, from the well-lit rooms. So it's this idea of being alert. You might be, like, you could be alert in a dimly lit room, but Chances are, if you're not taking any stimulant, you know, you're probably not. Or if you're like us, drinking margaritas in a Mexican restaurant, you're definitely not as alert as you should be. Oh, (laughs) yeah. That's why they believe alertness is the big um, key to the puzzle. Now, the guy who conducted, I I should say the guy who co-authored the study, Brian Wans... Wans? Wansink. Brian Wansink. I'm going to go with that instead. Um, Please do. Please. Please do. He says the dim lighting... Dim lighting isn't all bad. Despite ordering less healthy foods, they say that you actually end up eating slower, possibly eating less, and enjoying the food more when you're in the dark. Okay. Being such a fan of history, Marissa, I knew that you would be interested in this following little bit. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Looking into the history of lighting in restaurants and communal places, uh, the addition of lighting in restaurants came towards the end of the 1800s because before then it was expensive and you know i mean it was still expensive in the 1800s but there wasn't electricity so what we'd have candles all over the place Mm -hmm. but at the end of the 1800s when it became when electric lighting became more available i guess it was still pretty expensive so if you wanted to show that your place was cool you would fill it with bright lights because that means Mm -hmm. now it's a fancy restaurant the bright lights also showed that your place was clean 
which, again, is also pretty important to people in the late 1800s, early 1900s, because, you know, there's probably not as many regulators in, in place and everything like that. Here's an interesting part, though. What happens is other places adopted that practice. They were like, oh, that's what restaurants do, so that's what we should do, too, even though we're a bar or we're a nightclub. And so nightclubs in the early 1900s were brightly lit, to follow suit of what the restaurants were doing. So then restaurants were like, we don't want people to think that we're some sort of uh, den of of mischief or something like that. So we're going to distinguish uh, the place a little bit. We're going to, so that we don't look like a den of tawdry actions, we are going to dim the lights and create, just where we started with Marissa, a level of ambiance. 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 Okay. Interesting. In general, though, Marissa, because you know I just can't stop. You can't. Restaurant lighting and design is its own kind of animal. Uh, this could be someone's entire career if they no, sell their skills no, hard enough. No, 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 no. Are you saying no to my use of the word animal or the, no, <laughs> or the career option of restaurant career. lighter? I don't even know if I noticed you said animal, so I'm going to pretend you did. <laughs> So you don't you don't think you could make a living off of being a I don't think you should. I don't think that should be an option. But lighting is very important to a restaurant. Not a whole It's an important price point when you're setting up your restaurant. One piece says that high end lighting can run well over twenty dollars per square What? <laughs> Who says that? One piece okay. that I read okay. <laughs> says that high-end lighting can run well over $20 per square foot of your restaurant. And if you have a decent-sized restaurant, that's a lot of money. If you went with cheaper lighting, it would only be a couple of dollars per square foot, but you could also run into some problems. That's why I was just trying to fill the light. Oh, yeah. These people get really obsessed with lighting, by the way, because their obsession becomes the best lighting in a restaurant is lighting that people can't detect. I think that's interesting to do, but the same way how if I had a boyfriend and they were one of those people that, like, was in a cover band and would serenade me with an acoustic guitar, that would be a deal breaker. (laughs) If I had a boyfriend that, like, obsessively talked about the intricacies of lighting, that might also be a deal breaker. (laughs) I promise this is only going to be a few more minutes. Okay. But I also found it kind of interesting. As no. just like to dip, to dip your toe into the topic. I find the concept that someone could be interested in this interesting. I don't find it in and of itself interesting. What about me being temporarily interested? Yeah, in I'm it? interested in you being interested in people <laughs> being interested. So you can go on, but just know that I don't respect these people. <laughs> so the thing, the 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 principle that they have is they go good lighting works when people don't notice it or don't think about it but when the lighting is bad and people are talking about it obviously that's bad lighting now there's a restaurant right down the block from me and it's so dark on the inside but the problem to me is that it's also lined in windows so there's a lot of natural light coming in but only on one side and so the problem becomes whenever i go to lunch with people there i always end up getting the seat that is facing the windowed in area and facing the outdoors where it's super bright. Mm-hmm. And so everything is just the outline of a person. Everything is in silhouette. I can't see anything uh, because it's so dark on the inside. I don't know. And then even if I sit in the other position, when I walk outside, I feel like I'm leaving a movie, which by the way, also came up in this, why we like movies in particular ways. But I mean, Marissa, that's even more valid. 
we can get off of this particular topic and move to something so much more exciting, Marissa. Let's talk about the future of dining lighting. Do you have any ideas? Um, no. There's really... I I, I only see two forms of lighting. On or off. On and off. (laughs) So, no, I have no concepts. The future of dining lighting includes apps. Customers could use an app to change the lighting of their table or station. Shut up. No, because then you don't let the artist do their work. That's like being like, right. I'm in a museum, and I have wait, the wait. ability to change the colors of the Mona Lisa to how I see fit. No, because you should not be able to change the lighting. You are now telling me that the people who you were just saying are boring. You know what? I'm a woman of contradiction. Like all good people are. No, I don't like what you're telling me. I don't like the future. I I now change my mind, and I've decided those people are artists. Just I don't want to hear about it. So here's the thing. A lot of these articles are very condescending, and they talk about how old people can't see because it's too dark. Oh, millennials, Millennials just love it because it's so dark in a place. This would be one of the things where you could, you know, of course, maybe the old person who can't see in the dark isn't really inclined to have a phone with them that they can run a smartphone app on. But still, they can bring the lights up or dim the lights down depending on the situation that they're having. Maybe you go out to lunch with your dad or your mom and you don't want it to be a romantic atmosphere. (laughs) Well, you can just bring the lights up a little bit and now it's cool, right? I just want to, like, my relationship with my mother and my father is that I don't, it doesn't matter what kind of lighting. It's never romantic. Uh, it doesn't matter how romantic the lighting is. That will not affect my relationship with my parents. I like that. Thank you. It's just lighting is the only thing stopping you from hooking up with your parents. Yeah, like that's almost like what I took out of that. <laughs> Here's the other thing, Marissa. If you had this app sort of set up, there are other things that you could do. If you need a waiter... You could like hit a button and the light on your station might change to a different color. Oh, I don't which like it indicate instead of you like raising your hand or being like, excuse me, garçon, <laughs> that sort of thing. Does anyone raise their hand other than my boyfriend who raises his hand straight <laughs> up, straight? Like you want to be called on by the teacher and it's so embarrassing. Continue. The other thing I was thinking was uh, if you are the person sort of like seating people. Marissa, I can't think of the word right now. The host or hostess, that's what it is. And a table is reserved, but you don't want it to look available to people who come in. You could perhaps dim the light on that particular station so that it looks like it's in use. And then when people come in, it's not such a big deal. No, because within a year after that launches, I'm going to be at a very expensive French restaurant, and I want ambiance. And the person on the left of me is going to have their light so blaring that it's... No. Left no, no, that's... is going to be blaring into my light, and the person on the right of me oh, is okay. going to be having a fucking strobe light dance party, and it will <laughs> not be romantic at all. The person so, in the strobe light, for some reason, is a juggalo in my mind, but... The, the, of course, yeah. Le juggalo. Le juggalo. So then, Marissa, perhaps you're interested in just losing the lights altogether. Uh, no, I'm interested in people nope. doing exactly nope. what they're doing now. Nope. No, I'm not interested you... in that fucking bullshit like, oh, <laughs> everybody's in the dark soup. You just have your senses heightened and yep. the waiter will have to lead you and you eat in the darkness. I could be eating roaches and I wouldn't know. Exactly. Not that they're serving me roaches, but that roaches can go on my plate and and I won't know. Just in case our listeners aren't familiar with this, it's called dark dining, and it's everything Marissa described. Patrons are asked to place all potential light sources in in, uh, lockers in the reception room. 
They are led into a pitch-black dining room, and in some cases, they're also blindfolded. Here's the thing, though. At some of them, they sit you at communal tables, which That's just sounds terrifying disgusting. in the first place. <laughs> so now, you're sitting next to a stranger with a blindfold on. And the thing is, when they bring you your food, I don't know if you've ever tried to eat with your eyes closed. Maybe it's not so hard. I should have tried tonight, but I didn't with dinner. Um, but maybe you can't find your mouth so easily. Maybe you can't find the food on the plate. I found it, but it didn't add anything to the experience at all. <laughs> at all. This water tastes so refreshing. Yeah, um, you know when sometimes when you think you're drinking one thing, but it's something else, so it tastes fucking disgusting, but it's just because you thought it was something else? I bet that would happen, because you don't know what you're eating. You're going to be like, this feels like a grape. Oh, it tastes like ham. What is this? This is gross. You <laughs> throw up all over the place. Yeah, the idea is that when you're eyes are sort of unavailable, let's say, which is not right, um, that your, when your other eyes are senses, as some would say. then your other senses will be heightened, right? And the other idea is that since you're at a communal table, you'll start, to, you'll start to talk to the people next to you, you'll make friends, and without your eyeballs, you won't be judging them prematurely and, and not talking to them. And before you know it, never mind, I was going to get gross. Everybody's nice. Everybody's in love. Everybody is, yeah, there's a big, fat, dark dining orgy happening in the restaurant. Yep. Yeah. But, as Marissa noted, you should be nice to the waiters because, A, they're blind, which seems Did I ableist. Know that? It seems ableist of me to say, but still, Wait, like, they're be They're nice. all blind? In this particular case, yeah, why? they're all they're, blind. Because they have, why? That's stupid. Because if you take a sighted person and you put them in a restaurant to serve food, they're more likely to run into tables oh, and, like, not know they what have, they're doing. Oh, I just they like, infrared glasses or some shit. I don't know. Nope. Nope. That would ruin the experience, Marissa. Um, no. I but mean, the, not to be ableist, but I don't think blind people will, like, that seems like there's a lot of stuff that also needs to be included in the restaurant. Like, every, I don't know, like, every entree is going to be handed to the blind person and told exactly what it is? Yeah. Yeah, okay. You really have to trust your dining staff because you will not see what you're putting in your mouth like Marissa said it I would, would look like garbage on the plate like this if someone bought it for me I would do it but I would never go out of my way to do it because you eat with your eyes right last point I'll make is that some sources actually a number of sources I'll say say that dim lighting actually does make us more calm make us more able to make rational decisions and participate in negotiations. But those same studies also determine that sunny days make us more depressed. Because when it's sunny outside, our emotional scope is wider. When it's sunny outside, we feel happy. And when we feel happy, we can also feel really sad. But if it's cloudy outside and we're only like kind of happy, then our sad doesn't feel so sad. That's so fascinating. Really, yeah. <laughs> oh my God, I'm obsessed with that. Please send me whatever you got that information from. I'll see what I can find. So yeah, there's there's uh, conflicting information about you know lighting in general and, and all that sort of stuff. But uh, yeah, it's actually, I mean, again, if you're sitting in a doctor's office and you found a magazine that had a six-page story about lighting, I don't know about you, but I would read that, that article because... I would not. I never hear anybody talk about that. I would look at the floor before I would do that. So, Marissa, you have any feelings, thoughts? I mean, you interjected a lot of ever-wavering feelings about uh Yeah, I, I, topic. I respect them, but I don't want to talk to them about it. The same way I feel about, like, video game streamers. One other thing that I didn't realize is that we were in a restaurant 
that had a little lamp on a windowsill right next to the table that we were on. And that table was a was a booth, and the booth was like, you know, attached to the wall. But one of the things I didn't think about where I was just like, why doesn't everybody just have a little tiny lamp on every table and make this easy, uh, is that in a lot of restaurants where they rearrange tables, having the electric cord to be able to do yeah. that isn't okay. really an option. And then they also said that uh, battery-operated table lights are not really a good idea because the lights go out, and then that's one more thing that could go wrong with somebody's dining experience and cause them not to come back. So there's a lot of different variables, um, and I found it kind of interesting, more interesting than my co-host here. But uh, yeah. No, I found your presentation interesting. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> I Wait, what restaurant had a tiny lamp? At the, uh, the El Rey. It's time for... Guys, I will say, while I don't particularly <laughs> like their food, I would promote El Rey for their margaritas, especially during happy hour when they're only $4. I realized I didn't get to say my PSN Coast story this episode. I'm going to save that for next episode. But I can give you a scathing review. You're welcome to drop it as a as a, some bonus end of episode content. I'm a little tipsy now. And I want to figure out how I could say it without a visual. But guys... Right. It was delightful. I'm for the margaritas, PS and Co. Their hostess. <laughs> she upset me very much. Yeah. Anyway, guys, so that's my plug. Got anything? for the margaritas, not for the food. Fancy, very nice. So you're you're plugging restaurants. Okay. I'm gonna go ahead and plug Joe Firestone's album, which should be out for a couple of weeks by the time this comes out. It's called The Hits. She's a comedian that Marissa and I saw. Oh, so, uh, so funny. She was the best comedian on the show. When we went to the Blueberry Tour in Philadelphia, yeah, it just seemed like the downside was that she was the first one, and it felt like her set was a little bit shorter than the rest, but yeah, still. Yeah, I was like, I get it, maybe, but I don't know. Is she the least popular? Why was she opening that? No, Joe Para is the star of the show. She is also in the show, and... Uh, Connor O'Malley and, and uh, Dan Lacotte also have like appearances in the show, but in terms of uh, of importance, I would say that she is second billing. But okay. yeah, I don't know. Oh, well. I presume the three people that aren't Joe Pera who kind of organized it, they probably like rotated throughout the tour. Oh yeah, but uh, yeah. But yeah, yeah that was super I- fun. She's got an album. You can, I guess, you can't get physical copies, but I already pre-ordered. Uh, and again, by the time this comes out, I will have listened to and probably enjoyed quite a bit. Yeah, Joe Firestone, The Hits. Check it out. It's a debut album called The Hits. That's funny in its own right, right? Yeah. <laughs> Call us at 570-PODWOD1. Tweet us at Y'all Heard Pod. And if you feel like our show needs any more songs to introduce segments, so I don't know how, unless we had a song for Pete's and a song for mine, let me know. Yeah, if we, um, if we could come up with a title for like the main segment of the show... Then we would make a, a song for it. Problem is we can't think of what it's called. When I was left to my own devices, I made a um, a sting that was called Now It's Time to Talk Turkey, which Marissa rejected. <laughs> I don't remember you saying that, but I will reject it again. <laughs> it's time for us to talk turkey. No, 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 stop. No, no, no. I will not... <laughs> Be in a show where that exists.
<laughs> so guys, yeah, the segment after icebreakers when we go into what we teach you. If you have an idea of that that is better than talking turkey because that's gross, let us know. We're looking for you to give us something so that we can make a song just as good and just as infectious and just as earworm-esque as Tipsy 10. Uh, at this point, when we're talking about it, I have not yet heard what that sounds like. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. All week long, it's been stuck in my head. But again, I spend like two hours cobbling the show together based on our misspeaks and everything like that. I'm very scared to hear the Philadelphia episode and how stupid I sound. We all have our days. Excuse me, so you're agreeing I sounded stupid. <laughs> yeah, we all sound stupid. Okay. In the Philadelphia episode, everyone sounds stupid. The people listening, people Including watching Including Philadelphia, background. which is a character. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Bye. Hi. Hi.